Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from Loop, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm speaking with Mike Collins, who's an experienced and influential voice in L&D, as well as being a previous guest on this podcast too. This time, we're talking about how and why L&D need to expect a great deal more from learning tech, not just to provide content, but to eliminate administration and automate support for employees. Now, let's get into it. Mike, welcome back to the Learning and Development Podcast. David, great to be here. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Thank you very much. Uh, Now, having recently left River Island, you've been tempted back to the vendor side to help with learning tech implementations. What persuaded you to make this move now? That's a very good question. Um, I'm like the L&D boomerang. I sort of uh, flip between sort of in-house roles and and, and the supplier side. Um, And I I think one of the the draws of that for me um, is that it's great working on the supplier side. Uh, I really enjoy the variety and working with different organizations who all face what they think are different challenges, but more in all are are quite similar challenges. Mm. Uh, And at the same point in time, when you're working in-house and you are in that level of detail, um, you get um, you, you get involved in so much, so many different aspects of the organisation. So if we take the, the the last role I had at River Island, you know the role wasn't just an L and D role. It was more around people experience, which mm-hmm. took in everything from onboarding through to attraction, through to induction, through to development programs, the whole technology ecosystem. So you know, for me, from a personal development perspective, David as well, it, it helps keep me on my toes, mm-hmm. uh, and ultimately helps me stay focused and really close to the customer. Um, and there's nothing. Um, more rewarding and satisfying than helping, uh, you know, an organization go from A to B where B is in a better place where there is improved performance, better culture, better communication. Um, And let's face it, the technology space at the moment is probably the most exciting that it's been uh, in learning development and set with the backdrop of of, of COVID where organizations are being forced to change their business models, the way in which they interact with each other, they work, they collaborate, how they interact with customers. I think, you know, when I was looking at at what came next for me in terms of career, the conversations that I had with you guys at Loop and obviously, you know, we've we've known each other for a while, Mm. are so different in the marketplace and having been so close to a fast moving goods business, and, and understanding the problems. Every conversation that I had with Loop and you guys were different to other technology providers. Um, and I think, you know, in, in this podcast, we'll probably unpack some of that and what it actually means and why. Mm. But for me, it's such an exciting opportunity to help, um, you know, implement tech that makes a difference and actually delivers on what we've been saying in L&D for quite a while. So there you go. The, 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 the boomerang is back <laughs> on, the, on the vendor side um, and absolutely ready for, 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 for all the challenges that come with it because there's so many opportunities and I can't wait to work with, you know, all the, uh, all, all the Loop customers. Wonderful. Um, and I just want to caveat, say to the listener, this isn't a loop advert. <laughs> We've invited uh, Mike back in, um, you know, a couple of days into into the new role. But um, having transitioned from in-house at, uh, at River Island, um, this was a this was a massive opportunity to explore both the expectations from L&D on learning tech and what we all need to do to expand our um, our expectations because as, as you've just said there Mike um, tech I think has advanced um, more in the last five years in learning and development than it potentially has over the previous 25 uh, and, I, and I'd like to explore that now um, because the advancements 
you know, you could say almost up to this point in learning tech seems to have been more around new and novel forms of delivery rather than anything smarter than that. Why do you think this is? And what are we missing if we only consider the delivery of content or mainly consider the, the delivery of content? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, for, for, for those of us who've been in learning development for, for such a long time, you know, delivery of content was primarily done, you know, in a classroom environment, mm -hmm. um, you know, for so long. And, you know, you remember your OHPs, your PowerPoint presentations, stand and deliver, uh, which then moved to, um, you know, other forms of smart boards, um, e-learning, virtual classrooms, social technology. So we've been on a, a steep learning curve, not only with the, the tech, uh, but also with the mindset, the behaviours, the principles and methodologies that all sit behind it. And as a profession, we, we are evolving and developing so quickly. Mm. However, the focus on content delivery for me has been one of visibility. It's easy to see when content's being delivered. It's easy to create uh, and establish a content library. It's easy to measure things that, um, you know, how long people have been somewhere or what uh, content and resources they are uh, accessing at a time that's usually locked away in what we, you know, traditional corporate learning management system, mm. um, you know, and, and the, the term that I've become accustomed to sort of, you know, learning more about sort of customer experience um, is, is around beauty analytics, mm. you know, which is you can measure at, at surface level, but actually what does that tell you? So I think, I think the, uh, the opportunities that we're potentially missing at the moment is, is this explicit link between content and resources and actually business performance and the metrics that sit around that. And I think there's a, there's a massive disconnect that, that there was in, in previous roles. The conversations were starting, but the, the disconnect was between what the technology out there was actually offering and could deliver versus the easy, low-hanging fruit of actually just getting content up. And I think, you know, a content library should not be central to your learning and development strategy. It's a part of it, of course. Um, but I think because it's been easier to focus on and it's visible and it's easy to show, I think, you know, the main focus for a lot of teams and organizations have been invested in delivery of content in various different guises and channels. Mm. Um, I think now the, um, the more developed and more evolved conversations are making that link now between, well, so what? We've got the content, we've got the resources, how are we delivering that to people in their place of work using the channels that they use on a regular basis. And that's the challenge because that's a different conversation to, hey, we've got an LMS, hmm. come and check out the content, come and search for what you need. Uh, or you've had a, a, a learning need identified, right, let's push you to the LMS where the onus is on the, the learner, the, the, um, the, the work colleague to actually then go and find that content, consume it, but then so what? So I think these are the interesting conversations, certainly the interesting conversations that I've been in over the last you know, 18 months, two years, to turning it from a, a content library to one of performance support in, in that moment of need and taking the onus away from the learner to be able to have to find stuff and waste time on it. Um, you know, and I know we're up against the, the likes of Google, um, you know, as the, the greatest performance support tool that ever was, but mm. we don't have Googles in our organization. What we need to do is work towards those those contextual, um, you know, content uh, depositories and resources that help people uh, find content really easy, distribute it, use it, and then tie it back to some sort of performance outcome. Mm. Um, and now that technology is catching up with that, it's a really interesting space. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it is a, a very interesting space. But uh, but to but to look back, um, continue to look back just for 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 one more moment. 
Um, I don't think it's unfair to say that, that L&D has had a checkered past with learning tech. You've just described it there, whether it be uh, clunky LMS systems filled with generic e-learning. Um, now, I'm not sure a lot of people in L&D are ready to admit how much we've got wrong before. So where do you think we as a profession have got technology wrong? <laughs> so I will hold my hand up on the L&D podcast and say, my name is Michael Collins. And as an L&D professional, I have got learning technology wrong in the past. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we're in therapy, Mike, I've got my hand up as well. <laughs> Listen, let, let's be honest. I don't think there is anybody in our profession who... Um, you know, has used technology in a way that perhaps wasn't as thought through um, as, you know, hindsight tells us it should have been. And there's a number of factors for that, whether it's, you know, I, I, I'm guilty for this as well. And I think a lot of people are, which is the, the, the shiny new toy syndrome is mm. L&D being associated with magpies. Um, but then when you build in that mentality of if you build it, they will come. You know, there's a, there's a real disconnect between people aren't interested in the shiny new LMS. They're not interested in what features it's got. They're not interested in, you know, whether it does X or whether it does Y. What they're interested in is, is, does it help me do my job better? And I think, again, because the focus has been on the tech, we've almost forgotten about the user experience, the mm. customer experience and the performance focus of actually what the tech is there to do as an enabler. Um, you know, and... and you know, I think it's easy to just deliver technology for technology's sake. You know, mm. it, it presents projects, programs, you know, it's all wrapped up in sort of digital transformation programs. And, you know, we've got to have, you know, cloud-based systems that are, that are you know, um, you can access on mobile as well as desktop and tablet and everything in between. Um, but couple that with, unfortunately, you know, content that's perhaps been designed, um, you know, in a, in a way, you know, I think we've all heard of ClickNext, you know, e-learning, mm. you know, and we, again, bury that in those systems and that technology, you know, the focus isn't on the user, the focus is on the tech. And I think for me, that that's the crucial area that we've got wrong in the past is that we focus too much on tech, too much on the, um, you know, the assets and, and creating these beautiful looking, you know, PowerPoint presentations that have mm. some level of interactivity. Um, and we jump from one to the other really quickly without really truly understanding um, how that technology supports, impacts, and, and helps the end user. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think um, you know, we're learning all the time. No, nobody gets this right perfectly. Um, you know, for me, you know, one of the one of the greatest things that we can do is we can we can run um, we can run experiments. We can develop minimal viable products. We can get closer to our customer now. Um, and I think a lot of technology now is enabling that to happen, which is bridging that gap. Um, and then and then lastly. I think we've got to talk about data. Mm. Um, so I'm, you know, a self-confessed geek with pom-poms. Um, you know, th this, this is something that I keep coming back to time and time again. And I've cut my teeth on uh, Google Analytics, um, you know, from, from a marketing perspective, and particularly mm. how digital marketeers use, use analytics uh, and campaigns. Um, but primarily, you've got to understand what the data is telling you. Um, what the insights you can gather to tell that story and, and, and help develop that narrative so that when you're in business conversations, you're not talking about L&D measures. Mm. Let, let's face it, those aren't what people are interested in. Yeah. It is performance outcomes, it's business metrics and, and, and tying what you're doing as a, as a function in partnership with everybody else and what is the data telling us, what we're doing successfully, 
where are the gaps, where are the priorities, and then focusing our resource really carefully on things that are making a difference. Because if we can't tell that story and tie it back, then we're again, we're in these so what conversations. Yeah. And, and when resources now being pushed on the backdrop of COVID and organizations are under such pressure, L&D has got a fantastic opportunity here to partner strongly with the business to develop really strong programs, really strong resources and help focus on keeping people um, doing their job and doing it jo- and doing their job well and getting better at it. Mm. Um, and technology is just purely the enabler, you know, but we are, we're getting better um, at understanding how the technology adds value. Um, so for me, again, this is why it's such an exciting space um, in the learning tech market because there's, there's you know, some tech that's doing this really well, but then taking it the next step further um, you know, and making it even easier for learning development teams to get access to that data in a meaningful way. Mm. I think what you're describing there with um, uh, when stakeholders expect um, and L&D provide the, uh, the learning metrics of, uh, of um, bums on seats, uh, hours and days spent training, hits on yeah. the LMS, uh, satisfaction uh, and, and all of that stuff. That, that's, that tells me that there is a low expectation of what learning and development actually offer. If it is just attendance, completion and satisfaction and stuff around those, um, and even like if you just if you threw, threw in compliance in there uh, as well, I think that 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 is speaking to a baseline um, expectation of uh, of learning and development, and not one where the the engagement with learning and development offering actually makes a tangible difference. Because uh, and this is where learning and development gets. Um, um, drawn into being more of a benefit than it is what we all see as the, as the potential here. When we say um, as part of the uh, employee value proposition that on average we provide people with a £1,000 uh, per person per year for training and the average person attends so-and-so, so-and-so, you know, it, it's, seen, it's seen as a perk. And don't get me wrong, it, 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 it looks pretty attractive uh, on that level. But I think that it's, it contributes to the dumbing down of our profession uh, and, and that of order takers that all we, need, all we need to do, and this is where sometimes the language of learning and development really grates with me, when we have an offering or a provision, it's just stuff available rather than there, there being, you know, we, we providing solutions that are going to, and as you mentioned there, um, make a significant impact on whether an organisation survives or thrives in what are now some of the toughest um, uh, situations that, that many people will, uh, will find themselves in. Yeah. Um, which leads me nicely on to, to the next question, because I think that, uh, that, that part of the, uh, the L&D condition, <laughs> as it were, is that we love to solutioneer. But I hear a lot from L&D professionals that there are so many solutions out there that they don't know where to start. And often uh, they feel they'll never get to grips with what's emerging. Now, what's wrong with this approach is it puts the cart before the horse and implies that L&D need to know all the solutions just in case a problem surfaces that needs said solution. Or there is a silver bullet solution that one platform can solve all the problems, which doesn't exist. Um, But are there more productive ways of understanding problems and then addressing them without going too quickly to a tech solution? So I think, you know, people listening to this podcast, um, you know, will probably appreciate and understand themselves that the, the, the tech market, the learning tech specifically, 
um, is a bit of a minefield. Mm. There is so much choice and we are bamboozled by, you know, again, the terminology and language that we, that we use within learning as well. So whether it's artificial intelligence, whether it's gamification, whether it's micro learning or, or, you know, whatever it is rebadged as the next, I mean, you know, 10, 10 years ago, you know, when I was, um, you know, getting my head around what social learning was and collaborative learning and communities of practice. These were all new and exciting. Uh, and, and again, it is linked back to the, the, the magpie syndrome where we hear a fad or a buzzword and, you know, we, we go off in that direction without truly understanding it, which then leads us to solutioneering because we're, we're, we're putting the, you know, we walk around with a hammer and nail. That's all we're going to be able to do. Whereas yeah. the, the, the toolkit for L and D needs to be so much wider. Um, I think one of the skill sets that, that we are, seeing and this isn't this is nothing new but i think it's been talked about for, for a long time but actually we're getting we're, we're having to do this which is more around performance consulting mm. which is really immer- immersing yourself within the business to understand where where these points of friction are where the, where the points of pain are where are people not being able to do their job not not that, that doesn't necessarily need then a course. It then doesn't need to take people away from the workflow. What it needs is an understanding of, is it a process? Is it, is it, um, is it a behavioral issue? Is it a skill? Is it a will? What then, uh, what options do we have to meet that gap? Mm. Um, and I think if we always look, uh, you know, put the horse, before, the horse before the cart, then we're always going to be delivering similar solutions. Um, but then when you've got the backdrop of all these learning technology providers and different feature sets and, and, and different buzzwords, it is really difficult to, to, to cut through that noise and actually work with tools that, like you say, isn't the big tool that does everything because that doesn't exist. Um, but because of APIs, the ability now to look at your estate and, you know, I'm going to use the term ecosystem because I think that's the easiest one to describe, whether you like it or low with it for, for, for this, I think it works is organizations are now looking and, and, and putting their, their, um, their, the way in which their people are working into these buckets, whether it's communication, employee experience, collaboration, whether that's through email, Teams, Slack, or whatever, whatever tools, mm. where the social elements are coming from. And, and rather than, getting people to jump from one to the other, from one to the other, from one to the other, in a really cumbersome and, and, and clumsy way. Through APIs, you're now able to link these systems together to be able to create a really cohesive experience for um, for, for uh, colleagues. Mm. Now, what, what that means is that rather than having to choose one technology provider, you're able to truly understand what's happening in the business, where those pain points are, and how do you fix it with a number of solutions that are then linked through 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 an API with single sign-on that means that ultimately, from a, from a, from a, from a colleague perspective, they are in your organization's domain and they mm. can move freely through that. And what that then means is that you can start to push and pull accordingly. So it's not just a destination or a journey that people need to go to. You can intelligently and thoroughly engage people in different channels, um, making sure that they're getting what they need at that time, rather than having to break it and come out of the workflow. Now, this, this is this is not happening. This does not happen easy, because this is this is about a cultural change as well. Mm. And I know this is a, a you know perhaps a deeper conversation than just about technology. Um, and what the marketplace is doing. But some of the conversations that I've been involved in, in just, just this week, you know, mm. really shows again, the desire for people to create really compelling work experiences. 
Um, and there's so many different facets and complications to that. This is where L and D really do come into their fore because they are, they, they can see the organization at a different level and perspective to many other people that are either facing in the business or part of the, the people team or HR team. Mm. So we're in a really unique position now to understand how workplaces are shifting and evolving and working and where does learning and development sit? Where does performance sit? Where does communication sit? Where does collaboration sit? Where does social mm. sit? And how do you map out the these touch points so that actually when when somebody needs something or, or, or um, there is a there is a need you're already talking with the business to understand where that need is and then rather than just jumping with one solution you can take a step back and go right what actually is this how do we distribute it how do we create um, you know a campaign around it how do we create some compelling assets how do we make sure that we get it to people in the time and then what's the data telling us mm. Um, and primarily as well, you, you, you consult the data first, um, you know, what data do we have? Um, and I think, you know, I know this is a bit, a bit long-winded, but uh, I'm, 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 I'm on it now. Is that, um, you know, What data do you have in your organization? Go and yeah. talk to your data analyst team, go and talk to your, um, you know, your sales team, your customer service team, go and talk to your, your, your people team around what data is available. Because, you know, one of the biggest challenges for organizations is data. It, yeah. it, 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 you know, everyone will talk about data, but when you look at what data you've actually got, it is sometimes really difficult because you've got lots of it. It's really difficult to, to, to filter, to, um, to, to make any sort of meaningful data. So L&D can't do this on its own. We've got to make sure that we're working with mm. different areas of the business to understand what data we have, what's telling us what, and then that enables us to start working out what initiatives, what campaigns, what, what, what change programs can start to impact those metrics. Um, and it's been talked about for such a long time and some organizations have, have done it quite well. Some have struggled and some have failed completely. But I think we're all getting into those conversations now where what's the data telling us? What insights have we got? What story do we need to tell? Mm. And what do we need to measure in terms of um, change and impact? So, I mean, what I'm, I'm hearing there, Mike, um, as a thread through all, uh, all of this um, and linking it back to, to the question is spend less time trying to understand what solutions there are out there and more time understanding the performance problems in your organization because the more specific you can get in terms of uh, a real critical point of failure with real people in your organization and understand what the performance expectations are, then the solutions become apparent. You know, it's it's not that you need to, know, you need to assess the market and then uh, have up your sleeve um, 600, 800, 1,000 LMSs or, or suites of, uh, of generic content, um, yeah. however they may present their content. It's about fully understanding what it is that people are trying to do. And one of the real threads that comes through of doing this podcast now for, um, oh dear, it must be coming up to, uh, to a year and a half, is that people saying the, the biggest shift learning and development need to make is from a learning mindset to a performance mindset. Because if you yeah. have a learning mindset, it doesn't really matter what LMS or content you bring in. It doesn't matter. Because if your uh, goal is to provide an inverted commas learning, it's easy. It's really easy. And you can get loads of credit for it by, by branding this um, platform, filling it full of, uh, of content, and then trying to drive traffic towards it. Now, don't get me wrong, driving traffic towards a clunky platform uh, with generic content is one of the hardest things you can do in learning and development. And it can be a massive distraction from some of the stuff that, to, to, uh, that can really add value. But having a performance mindset 
and seeking to understand what the biggest blockers are to not just performance but results and then sourcing the solutions that make a demonstrable difference in those areas that's harder i mean that first of all the conversations are harder but the investment is easier yeah, as the, in the, you the, know the, what the, the problems are yeah yeah absolutely the payoff is there and i think you know, one of the things that that, that that is really frustrating for learning development, and I've been there myself, you know, I've, I've, I've administered learning management systems, I've been coordinated, I've been administrations, is that, you know, if, if depending on the technology, a lot of time is spent having to administer and manage yeah. learning management systems. And that's, again, it's it, it, that's just crazy. Why, why would we uh, use systems that all our time and effort is actually being used to manage the system as opposed mm. to supporting our end user help do their job better, quicker, faster. Yeah. Um, and I know those roles are different, but again, we are, we are in a time where I think, you know, learning development that I joined 15 years ago is so much different to the learning and development that, that I'm in now and, and, yeah. and love seeing and love developing and, and how it's evolved. And there's so many, you know, whether it's workplace architects, performance consultants, videographers, you know, th- th- there is a range of uh, and, and, and warmth and depth of roles that learning and development can offer. But again, we always run the risk of being separate to the business. Mm. And again, this is not a new conversation, but I think it's one that we keep needing to have because, you know, it's encouraging everyone within your learning and development teams who may be part of HR teams or an operational team to understand where your place is in the business and how close you are to the customer. Mm. Because if you're still not close to the customer post COVID, then, then there is a, nowhere, there is a are you? well, there's a real, there's a real danger that that team will, will no longer, it will be obsolete. Yeah. It will be no longer adding value to the business in the way that it needs to. So therefore it will either be absorbed or it will be discontinued. Mm. And, you know, I, I know people listening to this may have gone through that experience. You know, I've gone through that experience myself. It's a really challenging time. Mm. So rather than stick with what we've always done, we need to, we need to, um, we need to take on these new approaches. We need to be brave. We need to experiment. We need to do different things. Uh, and with that, we need tech that does support it and enables it. Well, you've, you've touched on a couple of things there, Mike. Number one, um, that um, job losses in learning and development, as well as many other fields, um, are, are reaching a critical point. Um, yeah. And uh, these, these are tough times for, uh, for everybody. And, and, and on top of that, um, if you've got a learning and development team and there are people within it who are working for the technology, I think that's pretty dystopian. I, you know, whether, whether those are um, uh, LMS administrators, whether those are people who train employees on how to use the tech. I mean, that, that's a dystopian view. I mean, that's, that is, I mean, that, that, that smacks of, uh, of, of, of bad tech design um, or, or just old tech. Where, where we stand today, automation has the opportunity within learning and development um, to, to pick up a lot of the, the slack, to do a lot of the, the hard work. Um, but, but with automation, um, you know, very, very quickly, uh, people might be thinking uh, that the robots are coming after their jobs. It's not what that means in learning and development now, is it? I think that there is, there's a lot of positive that could be taken um, from, auto, from automation in L&D that could free us up, do you not yeah, think? Yeah. 
I, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of smiling internally as well, because when you, when you said the robots are coming, I remember doing an Ignite talk at the CIPD North a couple of years ago and actually yeah. got 300. Ro- I, I showed a slide of um, three robots powered by AI actually, um, you know, dancing, mm. um, you know, in, a, in obviously human, human traits. And I, I got 300 HR professionals to, to, to all stand up and dance like robots, um, <laughs> which, which was hilarious. But the point that I was making is that, you know, automation in, in, in people terms and L&D terms does not mean that the Terminator's coming, that Skynet's going to, um, you know, be, be bursting through our walls. Um, and fundamentally, yes, there are changes in a lot of industries. So if you think about the way that distribution centers have changed, thinking, you know, what the Amazon logistics center looks like with all the, um, with all the bots that, 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 that move, um, you know, the pickers essentially that go through. Uh, and think about how self-driving cars and automation there is going to revolutionize the taxi industry. So of course, there are these big macro changes that things like artificial intelligence and automation is going to change. But when we distill it down from an L&D perspective, let's look at what our, our, our colleagues in marketing have been doing for since the dawn of marketing, which mm-hmm. is using technology to be able to uh, create channels of communication and then reinforce that with automation, whether that's through email, whether it's through text message, whether it's through mobile apps now. Mm-hmm. And again, what they do very successfully is they go where the customer is. Yeah. They don't ask the customer to come out of what they're doing and, and, and come over there because, you know, bottom line, they're trying to sell products. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're so, again, marketing is about solving problems that people have with a product or service that they, 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 they have and, and, and the cost of what people are willing to pay for that service to solve their problems. Yeah. It's exactly the same principle for, for, for learning and development. Um, so, so for me, learning, autom- automation in learning means taking away a lot of the, a lot of the baggage, a lot of the, um, you know, the, the administrative functions and thinking carefully about how we push out content resources, performance support tools, to the channel where our people are. And I think this is where it's really exciting mm. and, um, you know, when you start overlaying learning and development with a marketing mindset and developing the competence and the skill sets associated with digital marketeering, which is around, you know, how do you, how do you construct a subject line? How do you ensure that you click to actions, your call to actions are really strong. How do you measure where people are interacting with your content? And then as a result of that change, what you're doing, because you get better success rates with one approach than another approach. Mm. And then how are you identifying where your customers are at a given moment in time? And most receptive and then you're programming and automating your content to go out at that time now th- this is this is really new this is not something i think that is widespread mm. um this is a bit that excites me as a learning professional that, that that's been lucky enough to be involved in marketing teams and and, and, and work in, in terms of digital marketing um because i think the aspects that they they're using there absolutely support learning and development um so automation for me is a real positive thing in learning development because it allows us to uh programmatically help people get access to things that they need when they need it and the 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 positive side of that is it's freeing up resource that actually would have been having to do those things um beforehand and probably you know unsuccessfully and really you know you know it's it's so um heartbreaking for all that work for Mm. so little response yeah um and then when you add the dashboard at the end of it that tells you all the great stuff that your campaign and 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 the information that you're pushing out and the impact that it's having you've got a really nice loop yeah um which there is no pun intended there whatsoever but i guess that i guess there is (laughs) (laughs) you know and to to um to make this um, 
uh, come to life. If we take a look at uh, compliance, for example, automation in compliance um, can look very much like a, uh, a marketing campaign through HubSpot. Now, whether yeah. learning and development know about HubSpot uh, or not, it's about um, um, automating large parts of their of, of taking people through a, a, a predefined funnel, which is. Uh, somebody within your target market, taking them through and uh, guiding them through a funnel which provides them with valuable insights, uh, know-how, um, and, and with a view to helping them to do what they're trying to do, but guiding them to buy the product at the end. I mean, that's the yeah. marketing element. But yeah. for compliance, this is this is about um, pre predefining a route that you want people to take. So dropping them into a compliance campaign um, with with the communication. You need to do your compliance by X in the in the tools they use for work. So with yeah. messaging allows you, whereas email perhaps didn't, to constantly prompt people to do the thing you want them to do. You set your parameters in terms of your timing, and then you can fully automate your communication. You can fully automate the, um, the distribution of the learning content. You can fully automate the, um, the consequences of not completing it. So the uh, escalating it to the line manager based on when the uh, the compliance training is then completed you can auto renew as well so so uh, and as soon as somebody changes roles within the organization and then uh, more regulation is, comes into play they can automatically be dropped into a new campaign so yep. so legitimately you can start a campaign that's linked to your hr system so it recognizes both joiners and people who change roles and as long as the content doesn't change, you can go on holiday for the rest of the year. And, <laughs> and, and it does, and it takes over every single element based on what, what you set those parameters to be. I mean, it's yeah. like, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, how much would that revolutionize your, uh, your, your, your role at River Island? <laughs> oh, no, Hugh, listen, what, 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 what we're essentially talking about there are personas. Mm. So again, a marketing trait is being able to understand your customer base, understand um, their needs based on location, job role, um, likes, dislikes, you know, the, the, the amount of stuff that, that, that Google, Facebook, all the social behemoth giants have on us through what we like in the system and what we, how we interact with the system is absolutely huge. And, mm. you know, we, we would be naive to think that every single browsing experience that we have and every tool that we use and every advert that we see has not been programmed and have some level of automation assigned to it based mm. on our personas. Uh, it's the same. And this is where it gets really exciting. I get geeked out because <laughs> you know, when we start, when, when we start looking through the marketing lens within an organization, we've already got predefined personas, whether yeah. that is length of time in the business, job role, seniority, what the hierarchy is. Um, and then obviously what you've been talking about there is, 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 is pre programming automation to, to, to help, um, you know, steps um, and people access things in a, in a structured way mm. where it gets really exciting as well is where you can, um, do, do you ever use, did you ever use the app? Um, if this, then that. No, I didn't. What's that? So, oh, so it, it, essentially it was, a, it, I mean, it's still there, you know, so you could, um, through APIs, you could essentially say, if I do something in this app, then it's going to add it to another app. And you could have various different recipes they used to call it. And mm. I loved it. I loved the approach because you could say, right, well, if I'm going to add something in, um, I don't know, if I'm going to add something in Slack, then I want it to populate my, um, 
uh, th- there was a, a, an aggregating tool that I used to that I used to use as well. Um, so I'd, I'd drop content in one place, mm-hmm. and it would be distributed in two or three places. Or I'd add a to do note in another place, and it would populate a um, an, an app on my phone. So it was it was these recipes that you could put in place. If you did one thing, it would trigger another. Yeah. And again, these triggers in marketing are really really important because mm-hmm. what we can start to say is right. Well, if if a new starter um, you know has gone through a constructed uh, and, and programmed approach, a campaign, as it were, where people will get access to information depending on when they interact with something. What you can do is say, well, if if they then branch off from that and access another resource or another, um, you know, another area, and they show an interest in something else, that can then trigger another campaign that will then allow them to um, access and go through another path. Mm. So straight away, you're you're, you're you're intelligently interacting with people and, and getting them access to things that they are interested in and perhaps need without lifting a finger. Mm. And these are all pre-programmed. These are all things that you can uh, you can set the recipe and the triggers to be able to support your people in an invisible way. Um, you know, and then we're, we're into the realms of invisible LMS, deep linking, you know, mm-hmm. being able to create an experience where people are accessing what you need without having to be bothered about, oh, well, what system am I in? What platform am I in? Do I need to log in? Do I need to do this? And then being able to distribute that through a channel like uh, Teams, like Slack, through email, SMS, um, you know, through, through the open APIs. This is where technology is getting really smart because again, you're going where the customer is. You're not asking them to come out of their of the workflow to be able to interact and consume and and, and change what they're doing. Um, so that it, that there's so many exciting things that we can that we can talk about in this field. But I think you know it's about understanding it. That that that's the key thing. Mm. Um, you know, I'm 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 lucky enough. Um, you know that I've I've had certain levels of exposure to this. But you know, in the early days, I was like a rabbit in headlights. Mm. Um, I really was because it's so different to what we are taught um, and how we are perhaps, you know, told to think in learning and development. Um, but as I say, there, there, there are so many talented practitioners now out there that who, who have to change what they're doing mm. and are uh, looking at these as opportunities rather than, oh no, automation, it's the end of L&D as we know it. Um, yes, absolutely. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end some processes and it's going to end some types of role potentially. Mm. But what's to say those roles can't evolve, adapt and develop and flex to actually meet the needs of the business as opposed to the needs of the system? Well, I think that, um, first of all, I, I completely agree with you. We do need to overcome this fear because uh, I think if we are automating the administration of, say, compliance, then we free ourselves up to do more high value stuff. And I believe that if we then free ourselves up to have performance consulting conversations, we elevate the status of learning and development. At the moment, we are limited because, especially during these times, I think that more learning and development functions are going to find um, resources harder to come by. They're going to be shrinking teams, perhaps shrinking budgets. So being able to automate um, some of this is going to help. But um, we're not talking just about... um, automating say two-dimensional elements of uh, of um of learning and development like uh, like compliance processes there is the greater opportunity isn't there for skill building for for transitions um you know for example new starters a lot of the time after um they they have an immersive or consistent experience for the first two and a half hours or or half day or day of joining an organization they're largely left alone to fumble fumble along solving the same problems that have been solved thousands of times within their organization we have new managers who um are neglected 
for the for a great deal of time to try to fumble along again and solve the same problems that uh, that, that have been solved. And I know that that there is this. Um, uh, expectation that line managers will be taking on this role of of coach and mentor and buddy and all of this but in the harsh realities and in a harsh business environment as we have today everybody's bandwidth is shrinking and so learning and development do have an opportunity here to create as what you talked about before to to enhance the work experience not create a parallel learning experience but to focus on what it is that people are trying to do so i mean you must now see the uh, the opportunity um to help during these transitions and as people um face unfamiliar situations and challenges perhaps for the very first time not in a learning way but in a guiding and supporting performance way am i right Definitely. And, and, you know, if we go back to the, the, the first question, which is about moving from in-house to, to, to vendor, um, you know, I think, I think the underpinning, one of the underpinning reasons for that is because personally what I, what I enjoy and what I get most satisfaction from is, is having those conversations. And I think it's, it's, it's moving that dial from old, old school thinking to not just new way of thinking, but a, a complete openness to challenging everything that has gone before and being open and honest enough to say what we're doing now isn't quite working. It might not be broken, but we know that we can refine it. Um, so, so those conversations, you know, for me are, are what gets me out of bed in the morning I, I thoroughly enjoy having them uh, they are difficult to have mm. you know th- what the journey that we're talking about here just like we've been talking about for the last 15 years each sort of incremental change and, and the way that i like into is almost like l and d are working in sort of agile sprints where we, mm. we, we sort of we've got this backlog that we've been talking about for ages but are we ready as a profession to move on we know it's there and then all of a sudden you get this really fast sort of development of tech 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 you know look at all these features look at all these fun and the business is still catching up in the in these cycles mm. so so, you know, the methodology that, that of agile thinking in terms of developing quickly MVPs, minimal viable products, get it out to your customers, test, get feedback, look at the user insights, and, and then iteratively design the same principle is for learning development teams for our roles for the um for the for the structure of the teams where we sit within an organization for me all that is up to debate mm. and i think once you start unpicking the the uh, the, the problem the the um, what's the issue that we're trying to fix here straight away that takes you down channels that you wouldn't have understood and now that technology is enabling all these things to link together we're in completely new new ground david and yeah. i think you know this is the exciting bit for Ellen because any if there's any team in an organization that can a grasp that understand it distill it and actually interpret and be able to play it back to people that um, work in in business frontline who are time sensitive and and perhaps you know don't understand all the jargon and, and and the technology that's the opportunity for us and that's where i'm seeing at the moment learning development making the biggest difference in organizations um where you know the goalposts have been moved you know disruption as, as a word <laughs> you know mm. we've talked about it for ages good god i mean you know the, the biggest disruption that any organization has had in the 21st century has been covid yeah. Uh, that has challenged absolutely everything that we've known that has gone before uh, and none more so in learning development. So exciting time, scary time, time to be brave. Um, but I think fundamentally there is a, there's a massive shift happening within organizations and learning development's got a great opportunity to, to, to stand up and, uh, you know, make a true difference. I've heard in the conversations with, uh, with guests since COVID that they've, mm. um, they've had to pivot quickly to a more agile approach. Uh, not necessarily agile with a, with a capital A, but, but one where they need to listen to, to their end user to, um, to move quickly 
to develop minimum valuable products, to iterate yeah. in order to, uh, to to hit the mark. And then they've been expected to... Uh, to, to make a real difference, which which we are talking is is more of a an, uh, an agile approach. And you mentioned there about user insights. One of the yeah. um, one of the great thrusts forward that I think that this situation provides, as well as smart technology, is building user insights into any campaign, so that we move away from a content play or a um, a distribution of content play to a dialogue, which is you told us you needed this. Here's some useful stuff. Has that helped you then to do what you're trying to do? And what help do you need? What I hear from, uh, from learning professionals is that it's really difficult to get meaningful dialogue around learning solutions. But from my experience, it's really easy to get dialogue from performance and results uh, conversations where you build user insights into the into the very fabric of your solutions that are underpinning now performance and results uh, again is this is this something that's resonates that resonates with you yeah definitely and I, I think it can get um i think it get muddled a little bit as well with uh, sort of user ratings review recommendation engines you know whatever technology supports that fundamentally what we're talking about here is getting close enough to our customer and making it really easy for the customer to provide direct feedback on the things that they are going through and using. Mm. Do they like it? Is it useful? Is it helping them? Or is it not? And if, if you start doing that to the majority of things that you are doing, very quickly you will understand what's working well and what's not working well. Mm. Where have we got our finger on the pulse and where have, we, where have we not? Where do we need to direct resources? Where do we need to prioritize? Where are the gaps? I mean, one of the, one of the, you know, one of the, one of the greatest conversations um, or, or one of the, the, the more opening conversations that you can have with people is, right, okay, we've got your learning management system. It's full chock of content. It's got, you know, a bit of user-generated content, stuff that you've designed. You've got your content library plugged in. What are people searching for? Yeah. And, right, okay, so how would we find that information? Well, you know, surely your, your, your learning management system's got a search function. Uh, surely you can get the data of keywords, tags that people are searching for. Mm-hmm. And the majority... You know, a lot of, 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 of uh, organizations will struggle and LEDs will struggle to understand what people are searching for. Um, and that fundamentally is something that opens up, you know, where, where do we need to focus? Where are mm. our priorities? Not, not necessarily, you know, I think there's a, 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 a business need and influencing skills because, you know, two people in my team haven't been closing deals particularly well. Um, you know, it's understanding where your users are going, what they're looking for, what they're consuming, and then how are they feeding back on that? And, and it's been really, it's been historically difficult to get that close. Mm. Um, but I think with the advent of things like pulse surveys, uh, with user insight tools that can give you real-time data and, and, and feed those into dashboards, um, you know, whether that's through analytics or, or, or native, um, you know, analytic tools in, in, in systems, you're starting to create these really easy to understand um, you know, data points that, that, as you say, give you user insights that you can then take definitive action from. Um, and what I love about this is it means that, you know, L&D teams are not focusing on things that don't matter, mm. that they think they're important to us, but actually to the end user, they're not. Mm. And it's a bit of a shift from L&D centric to user centric to making sure that where you're focusing on is the priorities. And right now, Everyone needs to be doing that because that's yeah. what matters, and that's what's going to keep us all in business. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more there, Mike. And um, but as we look to uh, to wrap up this conversation, um, 
I, th I think we'll, we'll all agree that smart technology can help L&D so much more than many in the profession realise, and that's what we've been talking about today. If you were to distill it down in terms of what L&D should expect from their tech, and then what they should do, where, where would you start? Um, again, really, really good question. Um, so we, we've got to get tech working for us, not vice versa. If we are, if we are a slave to our tech, then we're, we're doing it wrong. Um, I think fundamentally the, uh, the technology is you know, almost something that shouldn't be seen. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are at the moment focusing on pushing people to a set destination or, um, you know, pushing people out of where they are currently to come into a destination place to learn, consume content, I'd, I'd really think carefully about, you know, what that experience is mm -hmm. for your learners and your work colleagues and think about that workplace experience. Think about the ecosystem that people come into from their first point in uh, first point in an organisation. How are they welcomed? Where are their interactions? And this is where I think customer experience really opens and plays the fore for, for learning development teams. Map out your customer journey. Yeah. Um, where are the touch points? Where does that involve people? Where does it involve tech? Where does it involve processes? Because if you can get that seamless, if you can get that as, as, as friction-free as possible, then um, that allows you to, to really focus on what matters most, which is not ensuring that your technology is always working and always there, but it's about getting closer to your, to your user. It's about yeah. working closer with your customer, co-creating, con continually improving it, it, uh, iterative design in terms of what you're doing and where your focus is, and then get the data. Make data a stalwart of your, your weekly conversations, your monthly conversations, create you know those stories those dashboards or that the narrative that allows your business stakeholders and the people that you're working closely with to really understand the activity that's happening and the impact and the the, the push pull of what's actually happening and what you're doing um, because i think that the, the opportunities are there i think we've just got to be brave we've got to continually push boundaries and challenge the status quo of what's come before in terms of tech um, and it's really interesting seeing the rfps uh, and, and seeing what organizations and i'm going I'm to be you know quite not challenging but i'm going to be quite um, <laughs> controversial is that you know if you are talking about gamification and if you're talking about artificial intelligence and if you're talking about, you know, the things and, and you're putting them as a must haves, you know, why? Yeah. You need to be able to articulate why, what difference is that going to make to your learning experience, but fundamentally to performance? Because these are, these are interesting things, but are they what matters most? And I, I would encourage everyone to look at your technology and to say, is that technology going to help us do things smarter, quicker, faster, with less resource, um, and really meet the need uh, of our learner, which is fundamentally helping them do their job quicker, faster, smarter. And I think that's a conundrum that, that, that we're in at the moment is that, you know, the smart teams are thinking like that. Um, other teams are, are getting into that space, but we've still got... Um, you know, a lot of people um, that are still focusing on let's get the technology, let's get the features mm. and not thinking about it from a performance uh, support perspective and what people actually need versus what we think is, is right and what we potentially think we want. And part of that, that hard work that we want the tech to do has got to include automation, uh, automate uh, and elevate the status of your L&D with the, with the free time that you gain uh, from getting off the hamster wheel of, uh, of recurring tasks and administration. Uh, Mike, totally thank, you very, 
thank very thank you very much. It's been a uh, um, a very insightful conversation. Uh, and if the listener wants to follow your work or, uh, or connect on social, how can they do so? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm on LinkedIn as as Mike Collins. I'm also on Twitter as Community Mike. Um, you know, one of the aspects actually, David, and we've we've not touched upon this, but I know in the first podcast that I came on, we talked um, you know about communities of practice. Mm. Um, you know, one of the one of the most exciting things about the the, the, the role uh, loop now is that I'm going to be working with um, you know really forward thinking and talented bunch of L&D practitioners um, you know on, on a community so community Mike and the geek with pom-poms is, is, is back in a big way and I can't wait to get started wonderful and uh, and may this kickstart that uh, that all off so Mike thank you very much for being a guest again on the learning and development podcast my pleasure David thank you I'm hoping that this episode has had you reflect on your own expectations of learning tech and realize you could be achieving a great deal more than you are with the right approach and, of course, the right software. If you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now.